Justin, we got Chris on the line. What do you want to ask him? So what is the biggest mistake or something that you wish you could do over um, in the, the multifamily business here that you could potentially help me or other people listening uh, avoid? When you go into your due diligence, get it done as soon as possible. Don't wait. Uh, when we go under contract, within a week, we have our due diligence team out there walking all the units. And, and we're getting all that information. We're getting all the lease audits and we're analyzing that deeply. There's been some times that we may overlook a little bit, but I would say really go deep with the due diligence, the lease audits, because uh, I think that's extremely important when, when you're in that due diligence phase. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital. Super excited for today's show today. We have two great people on the line with us in one of our Ask the Expert series episodes. Uh, we got Chris Salerno and Justin Moy. So first of all, Chris has successfully transacted more than $40 million in real estate and helped lead the number one real estate team in the Carolinas to produce more than $140 million in annual sales. He was named to Charlotte's 30 Under 30, Elite 50, Elite 50 Entrepreneurs, 30 Under 30 Entrepreneurs, and nominated for Forbes 30 Under 30. Uh, he's quickly gained recognition and notoriety for his hard work and dedication in the real estate industry. So, Chris, welcome to the show today. Thanks so much for having me. Very excited to be here and add value to everybody. Awesome. Now, before we get into your bio, I know you have a podcast as well. Um, do us a favor and, and tell us a little about your podcast. Yeah, so the podcast is called The Mindful Multifamily Show. Uh, it's on uh, Spotify, iTunes, and uh, we interview people uh, from really all different types of industries, but mainly focusing on multifamily real estate and mm -hmm. the mindset behind it, going from zero uh, units all the way up to 10,000 units. And what was that mindset, the challenges, the obstacles, uh, and, and how were they able to uh, accomplish that? Uh, and, and that's the gist of it. All right. So I have noticed that. Reflecting on, on my past, I've had several mindset shifts myself. Um, why, why did you pick that mindset to, to be the, the anchor of your podcast? Mindset's everything, in my opinion. Uh, you, right now, our, our mind controls our body. It controls you know, what we're saying. And, uh, and it's, uh, I mean, it's the computer to our, our body. Uh, it mm -hmm. does everything. And, and during this entrepreneur journey, during you know, uh, us as operators with uh, growing the business and, and the deals that we come across and deals we operate, uh, we have a lot of obstacles that we have to jump over, and uh, and some of those obstacles may uh, you know may be too big to jump over. So we need to figure out ways to get get around them. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and your mindset plays a huge factor into that uh, during situations when uh, you know when you're at your low, you need to have a strong mindset to pick yourself back up uh, to keep going. Uh, and that's mm -hmm. not only in business; it's in the personal life too. Uh, you know, we all have personal struggle struggles in life. And if, if you don't have a strong, positive mindset to, to get through those struggles, uh, you're going to be at your low and you're going to be down all the time. So it's really key to, to build that mindset up. Very similar to David Goggins. If you know David yeah. Goggins, he's, he's a workhorse, big mindset guy. Um, and you just you got to power through it. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's all about the mind. Yeah, a lot, lot, of, lot of mindset things that I picked up along the way. You know, um, 
I'm still active duty in the Marine Corps and, and you know, in basic thank training, they, they put a lot of mindset. Hey, yeah, no, thank, thanks for your, thanks for saying so. But and I uh, always say that like when you first went into training or mm-hmm. uh, to, to get into, uh, you know, the service, they built your mind up into being a soldier exactly. they tore it down mentally. And then they built it up to being a soldier. Yeah. Uh, and you guys go through is unbelievable the first couple months, but they want to see how mentally strong you are to go out into the field when you get deployed. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And they, they play, they play, we, we call them mind games. I mean, that, that's what, oh. that's what most of boot camp is. Um, boot camp, you know, was, was not, physically demanding. I expected it to be physically demanding. And when I showed up to boot camp, I think the the most we ever did, we did one four mile run, you know, which I mean for some for some people that might be a lot, but I mean we but started out like it would be extremely physical. Yeah, you know, and yeah. we started out with like a mile and a half, you know, and in, in my training and getting ready for boot camp, I, w- I was doing a lot more than that, you know? And so when I, when I got there and we were only doing a mile and a half, I was like scratching my head thinking, but it was full of mind games. It was, and that's exactly what it was. It was building up the the warrior mindset, but you know, the, the never, the never say die, the never quit the, you know, you got to accomplish the mission at all costs type mindset. And that's, uh, that's something that I, that's helped me a lot too. In, in a lot of areas of my life is, Okay, we're going through something hard, but you know, let's let's just keep on pushing. You know, um, yeah. I saw I saw a quote once. Um, I don't know who it's attributed to, but it says, um, "If you're stuck in hell, don't stop." You know, and it's just one of those where you start thinking, "I'm like, okay, that makes sense." You know, if you're stuck Wonderful. there and you're in a bad spot, keep moving, and you'll get out. But that's uh, right. That yeah. is right. So you know, great, great. You know, mindset's huge, and I've I've recognized, like I said, a lot of mind shifts that I've had. So. Um, anybody listening, check out his podcast too. Uh, Mindful Multifamily. Uh, you, you, you mentioned Spotify and Apple. Is it on all the major uh, podcasts? I, I we also have YouTube as well, the Mindful Multifamily Show. Yep. And right. a closed Great. Facebook group, which is the Mindful Multifamily Network. All right. So check it out. And we're going to drop links to all that in the, in the show notes too. So if you're interested, you know, head to the show notes and, and click through. But uh, all right. That's it, Chris. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, history, and Kind of, kind of lead us up from wherever you want to start on your journey to what got you into multifamily. Yeah, so um, so I live here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I've been here for a little over 14 years, originally from Florida. Um, I started out in the single family space, uh, as Brian touched on a little bit about the single family uh, history that I have. I was a single family broker. Uh, broker here in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, very quickly became the top agent for Keller Williams here in Charlotte. Uh, from there, I created a small team. I then merged that with the number one team in the Carolinas. Uh, we were also number fourth in the world by unit count with Keller Williams at the time. Wow. Uh, when I did the merger, um, I fell into their operational role. Uh, and I was able to make them 46% profitable in about a year and a half compared to the three years of being stagnant with no growth. After doing so, I just felt like I hit a ceiling. I felt like I wasn't able to build wealth. I felt like I was running that day-to-day uh, basically nine to five type of job, even though it was 100% commission based, uh, and I made my own hours, I just felt like it was that, that corporate hustle. So mm-hmm. I started educating myself by listening to podcasts like yours, podcasts like mine, YouTube videos, reading books on multifamily investing. Yeah. Believe it or not, um, you know, we all know Grant Cardone in the space. Um, when I first got in, or when I first started educating myself, I went to the SEC website and I pulled up his PPM docs. 
Now, I would be lying if I told you I did not fall asleep, but I, I did a couple of <laughs> times. Um, but I read through his PPM docs yeah. because I want to know how they're structured. I, I was so intrigued with it. And I read through it. It was like 300 and I think 53 pages. They're long a lot of docs. is the answer. They're really long. You they're know, if, you, if you've got an ambitious lawyer, they're super long, you know. But, oh, my uh, Yes. Yeah. And um, but I, I wanted to read through it because I wanted to gain the knowledge. And, and, and you need to gain the knowledge, especially on the legal side, because it's extremely important in our business. Uh, and after doing so, gaining the knowledge, getting out there, um, I then cut off brokeraging real estate cold turkey. Uh, mm -hmm. I left that and I jumped straight into multifamily to create QC Capital. Um, and early on, I hired a coach and a mentor, Joe Fairless. Uh, and uh, he's a great friend of mine and, and a mm -hmm. great mentor of mine. Uh, and scaled the company very quickly uh, from when we created it. And that's how I got into multifamily real estate. Nice, nice. That, that's a common trend from people who come on the show is mentorship, you know, and it's yeah. it's something that almost everybody talks about when they're sitting in your seat is, I had a mentor. Now, um, you chose to, to pay to play, which, you know, I did too, you know, not knocking it at all. But uh can, can you tell me why you chose a mentorship route and why you chose to, to drop you know, a lot of money on mentorship? Yeah. So uh, when I was a broker in real estate, I, I, I mentored around 13, uh, 12 to 13 different agents uh, on a monthly basis across the whole United States. Mm -hmm. uh, eight of those were right here in the United or right here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I realized early on in life is that to get to where you need to be, it's, it's great to limit your mistakes. And how do you limit your mistakes? You find a good mentor and a, and a good coach that is already where you want to be in life to help you limit those mistakes. So, um, so I went out and I was actually listening to his podcast. Uh, I went to a, met, uh, a networking meetup group. And I mm -hmm. always recommend if you go to a conference, if you go to a meetup group, um, go by yourself because you're going to be willing to meet people. If you went mm -hmm. with a friend, 90% of the time, you're going to sit there and chat with your friend. Um, so go by yourself because that's going to force you to meet people, network. And so I met a couple people. Um, a gentleman uh, stood up, uh, gave his success story. And uh, I went up, thanked him for coming. And I said, you have to have a coach. Who is it? And they said, Joe mm -hmm. Fairless. I said, well, I never, I listened to his podcast now, never knew he coached or mentored. How yeah. can I get a hold of him? He said, I can do an email introduction, but there's a series of steps. I said, I don't care. I, yeah. I want him. And, uh, and I was able to get him. We clicked uh, very well. And, and now we're, we're not only, you know, he's not only my mentor, he's a personal friend of mine, but it, I did it because it helps limit your mistakes. So if yeah. anything comes up, I can give him a call and say, hey, I'm going through this. Have you been through this? What, mm -hmm. What's your opinion about it? So I don't make those mistakes. So the success of the company can grow a lot, uh, a lot faster in a yeah. shorter amount of time than if I had no guidance at all. Yeah. I think that's huge. I mean, limiting your mistakes, everybody's going to make mistakes. Okay. And that, that's oh, something yeah. that's just going to happen, especially on your first deal. You know, I, I wish, I wish we were mistake free, but out of, out of the five guys, five partners in four Oaks capital, I mean, we've been through several programs, you know, we, we all had different mentors been in four pay to play mentorship programs. And, you know, the, the, the two guys that have not done mentorship programs still have mentors, you know, people that can pick up the phone and call. So yep. it's something that's been very, instrumental in, in my success. And, you know, the only thing that I'll add to what you said is it, it's, it, it's like an accelerant too. I mean, it, it prevents, it helps you prevent mistakes and, you know, it's like lighting a fire with gasoline, you know, it's just like, it's going to light and it's going to burn 
you know, it's, it's, go fast. Your, your business is taking steroids. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, your yeah. business is, is taking a shot of steroids to grow substantially and limit your mistakes, which is, which is key in this business. Cause you're going to, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and the best thing to do is to limit those mistakes. All right, cool. Let's let's talk about uh, you know one of the uh, deals that you guys have been in, you know, multifamily deals. You know, pick pick one or kind of talk us through your, your overall investment philosophy, whichever direction you want to go. Yeah, um, I would say let's talk about the most recent deal. Um, we just we closed about six months ago. It was a five hundred six C as in Charlie, and it was in Greenville, South Carolina, one hundred forty four units. Very exciting times because uh, we raised uh, roughly seven million during uh, the holidays, COVID, and a historical presidential election. Um, yeah. So it was fun. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you. Um, but, um, but yeah, it was a great deal. It was presented to us um, a semi-off market from a broker that we have great relationships with. And, and it was a, a C plus, B minus type of asset built in mm -hmm. 1986. Uh, we no longer focus in the 80s or the 90s. Uh, we will look at the 90s, but our main focus right now is 2000 to 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, that's our, our main strategy right now. Uh, but it was a great deal. Uh, rents were substantially below market right now. We're running around 125 above our performa with zero nice. renovations on the interiors. Uh, so we're extremely pleased on how the property's performing. Uh, and, and we're very excited about it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, we're, we're in the Greenville market as well. Usually I'll have a virtual background behind me. That's the, uh, the Reedy river Yep, downtown. Right but uh, the downtown Greenville area, but uh, um, working on a new laptop and I didn't get that set up. But uh, anyway, love Greenville. There are a lot of good dynamics there. You know, it's, it's growing. just a, a growing fast, you know, and it's, it, there, there's a lot of nice things. The city is putting a lot of money into to redeveloping the downtown and it's just kind of spilling over on the rest of the city. You know, they, they went from, you know, not a very attractive downtown 15, 20 years ago to a beautiful you know, walkable restaurants, you know, shopping, everything down there. So oh, it's nice. And, and yeah. you know, uh, I, I visited it earlier this year and they had live bands playing. I mean, just the whole mm. vibe that they have going on and, and that they're growing in downtown is, is just yeah. wonderful. And I think that's why one reason a lot of people are flocking there is because of the lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. So, so great place. And, uh, you know, hope that, uh, hope that goes that investment opportunity goes extremely well. Sounds like it's it's done well so far. Um, yeah, we're very pleased. Yeah, and uh, you know, incidentally, that that's one that we did look at. We did not put an offer in on that one because we we had two properties under contract at the same time, and very um, nice. doing three through the Christmas holidays. You know. Oh yeah. Wow. Um, two was enough. Yeah. So anyway, I understand what you're saying. I mean, when when you're trying to raise money, and this is kind of a lesson learned for for people. But if you're, if you're trying to raise money, you know, things that distract people, you know, things that that pull people's attention aside, are going to make it difficult for you to raise money. Okay, trying to raise money through the holidays, you know, presidential election where everybody's you know hyper focused. Yeah, yeah. it's just you know people are like, oh yeah, you know, I, uh, you, but. You know, you send them the investment opportunity. Maybe they get on the webinar, but they're they're just their focus is elsewhere. So, you know, one of the lessons I learned is if you can avoid raising money over Christmas, you know, avoid it. But uh, um, oh yeah, very much anyway. So. so cool. All right. So one thing I like to ask everybody, and I think this is crucial. You know, um, you talk about mindset. I think this is actually part of the mindset. But what is your big burning why? What what drives you? 
Well, what drives me now is my little man. Uh, his mm -hmm. name is Cruz Salerno. He's uh, 18 months, and that's what drives me uh, to work harder. That's what drives yeah. me to push the company harder uh, and to grow the company uh, is him right there. And the love and passion I have for him, I you know, unless you have kids, I can't tell you. Um, yeah. because it's just, it's unbelievable. So once he came into this world, that just, uh, that was my huge why. Um, yeah. and it just, uh, pushed everything. Yeah. Kids, kids are a game changer. We, we have five kids and incidentally, my oldest daughter is the podcast editor. So, you know, she'll, she'll hear this discussion. It's, you know, I gotta be careful what I say. You know, I can't <laughs> say, man, kids are terrible. I hate that. She'll, edit, she'll but, edit your version out. <laughs> yeah. And she'll, 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 she'll let me know, you know, oh, but yeah. Uh, no, but yeah, kids are a game changer. And, you yeah. know, ha having that first kid was just one of the most life altering things that have happened. You know, I, I would say, you know, getting married is, is a, is a big life changing thing, but having a kid is, more life-changing than getting married because, yeah. you know, two adults living together is one thing, you know, but you know, when, when you bring a child into the world, you know, you're a hundred percent responsible for, for what they, what they do, you know? So. Yeah. And it's so hard to explain until you have one. I mean, just so yeah. hard to explain. I, I just, that's what I tell everyone until you have one, come talk yeah. to me. Other than that, yeah. I, I explain the love, the passion, the, the drive, the motivation that I have um, that he fueled, I mean, he just dumped, it was a, a wildfire. He just dumped gasoline all over it. Um, yeah. once he came into the world. So, yeah. All right. Well, Hey, congrats. Congratulations. I know 18 months old, but, uh, you know, congratulations on that. That's, that's awesome. But, uh, yeah. all right. So, so last question for, for you, before we bring Justin on what's next. What's next is growing the company. Uh, we have a, a handful of deals right now that we are investing final for. Uh, our, uh, our partners, which are uh, our investors that partner alongside of us, uh, they are just, they're hungry right now, itching to uh, have us present them the next deal. Um, so we have a couple right now that uh, are looking extremely promising and that uh, are meeting our criteria. Uh, so hopefully those pencils in uh, here the next couple of weeks and we can uh, get awarded them and then uh, we'll move forward and, and blast it out to our partners. So that's what's nice. next with the company. All right. Awesome. All right. Now let's introduce our next guest. We got uh, Justin Moy on the line here. You know, Justin, you know, started out in real estate sales with single family homes in the San Francisco Bay area. So something that uh, Justin, you and Chris have in common there. And then he learned that uh, real estate wealth was in owning real estate. So much more than, um, than selling the real estate. And after graduating from college at the university of Arizona, moved to Scottsdale and is now pursuing a career in apartment syndication. Justin, welcome. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I am super, super excited. Um, and yeah, this has been an amazing journey so far and it's mm -hmm. only looking up and, and I'm super, super optimistic, um, yeah. but I'm having a really great time. I'm learning a ton, which is exactly what I want. And, and you always want to kind of push yourself and what you're pursuing. And, and this has really definitely done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a great, it's a fascinating field. I mean, it's, it's one where you've got to be on your toes at all times and you yeah. keep your finger on the pulse of a lot of trends, you know, but, uh, you know, once you learn which trends are the most important, you, you can kind of focus, but, uh, you know, that said, give us, give us a little bit more of your background and history, you know, the stuff that we don't find in the bio. Tell, tell us about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, grew up, like you said, in, in the Bay area, across the bridge, a place mm -hmm. called the East Bay. Uh, and so there I, you know, just like most kids probably graduating high school, I was struggling to see where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. Um, I saw what my parents did and, and I knew I didn't want that. <laughs> I knew I didn't want that life. They made great livings, yeah. but they worked like dogs 30, 40 years. And my father's just now 
starting to retire, but he's still working 10 to 15 hour days at, at a restaurant that makes a lot of money, very successful, but just not the life that I wanted. And so um, after high school, I looked for ways to avoid college so that I could avoid that sort of nine to five kind of route. Uh, so mm-hmm. got a job working for the government for a few years. So it took me down um, to Southern California, went out to Virginia for a couple of years. And then mm-hmm. when I came back, that's when I started pursuing real estate sales. Um, again, pretty, pretty similar to Chris. I was very, very good at it at, from a young age. I was a super hard worker. I was hammering the phones, you know, five yeah. to eight hours a day. If I didn't have listings, I was just going, 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 made great money but had a, it's now or never moment to go to college. You know, I was getting kind of up there. I was about 23 or four or five at the time. I was like, well, if I'm not going to go now, I'll never go. Mm -hmm. Um, So went out there and also wanted to move around a little bit. I want to have a little more freedom because I'm sure as as Chris knows, once you build that business and single family, uh, you don't want to exactly move and have to start all over. You want to keep that reputation, keep your brand. Um, And I didn't want to be trapped. And so that prompted me to, to get out and move and see a little bit more of the country um, and see a little bit more of the world. And, you know, for me to continue that lifestyle, I needed something else that wouldn't be so direct sales, um, restarting every day at zero, you know, really having to get after every single day. Uh, and mm-hmm. so that's why I went down the the rich dad rabbit hole. Uh, and, you know, like like most people's stories, found myself here in the, the multifamily world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the rich dad, that's, you know, I say this very frequently, that's the most often book brought up on this, on this podcast and probably most, most multifamily podcasts, but you're, you're, you're Scottsdale right now. And uh, speaking of the, the real estate thing, I had a, a real estate agent come on this show and said something that just, just made me laugh. And I'm going to see if it, if it's, if you guys think it's true. He, he said that uh, he would get a listing, um, go through all the work, get it sold and then wake up the next morning and feel like he was unemployed again, you know, because, you know, now, now we've got to go find the next one. But uh, <laughs> that hustle um, that you, you have to keep yeah. going, going, going. And eventually it's just like, you know, you're, you're done. You're done hustling. Yeah. Uh, it does. That's what I felt mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was a little scary too, because I, I found I couldn't leave my phone no matter what. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, what if that's a listing? What if that's the client? What if somebody's going to call me right now? And then if I don't yeah. pick up, they'll call somebody else. And so what if it, it's, an it's offer? definitely What's that? a yeah. rat race. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And we're, we're selling a house um, right now in DC. We should actually close today, but you know, man, I mean, I've, I've texted my, my realtor. She probably hates me. We were friends prior to, but she probably hates me now, but uh, uh, sometimes I'll text her at like eight, nine o'clock at night because that's when I'm thinking of stuff and she answers, you know? So it's just, uh, if she, if she stopped answering at eight o'clock, I stopped texting her at eight o'clock, but, uh, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that said, you know, now we're working with a buyer's agent here in a different city and, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're going, we went and looked at some houses at five, six o'clock yesterday because, you know, that's when, when things are available. So yeah, I, I get it. I've seen it from, from my end. I don't think I'd ever want to be a real estate agent because of, of exactly what you said, but, uh, um, it can be lucrative, you know, especially in a hot market like today. I mean, um, yeah. I think in some areas, you know, in this, getting off the subject, but, uh, you know, close, but some areas right now, the real estate market's so hot that as a, as an agent, all you got to do is hit the list button and, and wait for offers to come in. But, uh, all right. So, um, Justin, I mean, you talked a little bit about, you know, why you, you took this route, but if you could boil things down to, you know, one or two sentences, what's your big burning why? Yes, I would say it's it's really really strong and it's really really simple. Um, you know, I don't have kids, so the the next you know great loves in my life are my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm fortunate enough to have them both still still living, and I actually 
know, they've separated and I have step parents that also love me unconditionally and, and I love them. And so again, seeing what they do and what they've done and how they've lived their life um, as they get closer to retirement, you know, I don't want them to ever have to worry about anything. And I want them to be able to retire actually a little bit early. My father is probably already at that age, but my mom still has maybe five years. I don't want that. I want her to be done in one or two. Yeah. And so, you know, I have plenty of, of energy and time to work and hustle and do whatever I need, but you know, it's time for, for them to enjoy their lives. Yeah. Um, and I really want to see that for them. And then of course it allows me to live the life that I like as well. And, and I'm super passionate about causes specifically in hunger and homelessness. Mm-hmm. And so this would also allow me to pursue some passions there as well. But you know, nice. my parents always, always come first for me. Yeah. Retire your parents, you know, and you know, this is the flip side of what Chris and I were talking about earlier, you know, that the relationship between parents and kids, but uh, you know, it, it took me, it took me to actually have a kid to realize how much time and effort my parents put into raising me, you know, and it was one of those things that after my first kid was born, you know, you know, two months into it, I pick up the phone, I'm calling my parents. I'm like, thanks. You know, I mean, <laughs> first time I ever realized it. it's like, thanks mom. Thanks dad. But uh well, cool. Well, here's here's my favorite part of the show here. Justin, we got Chris on the line. What do you want to ask him? Yeah, absolutely. So Chris, I mean, thank you so much. Uh, I know your time is super valuable. So anytime somebody smarter than me and more experienced than me has time for me, I- I'm going to take full advantage of it. So I appreciate thank you. you. Kind words. Um, I appreciate yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. So, you know, I don't know if this was exactly you when you started out in multifamily, but you know, most people that start out here um, start out part time, right? They usually still keep their full time jobs, and I'm in that boat too. You know, I still have my my regular, you know, quote unquote day job. Um, so, if you were going to kind of go back in time and start your business from day zero, but let's say you only had maybe 20 hours a week to work on it and to get done what you wanted to get done, um, how would you delegate that time? You know, what, what would you, looking back, you know, what do you think are the most important things if you have really limited time throughout the week? You know, what would you do? Okay. A couple questions. Um, you said you didn't have kids, correct? I do not. No. Okay. Are you married? I am not. Okay. Well, that's perfect. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I don't mean like marriage is great. Um, but, <laughs> but <laughs> so that's great. Uh, um, if, if I was going back in time, um, I would have a, sa- a savings account um, with a certain amount of money in it. Uh, and, and hopefully you do as well. Um, and what I have done even prior to getting into brokeraging real estate, and then I brokered real estate for about three and a half years, and then I got into multifamily real estate, is I had a certain amount in my bank account and I quit what I was doing. I had a certain amount in my bank account and I said, I am going to make this work. And that's what projected and and pushed me because I put my back against the wall. Humans are wired uh, very differently, but we're wired to survive. And, and when we're all put our, when we all have our back against the wall, we tend to do things and we tend to call people. We tend to network. We tend to get out there to survive. Uh, if we were all in a village and we had to go get food to bring back to the village, I promise you, we would probably come back with food. Uh, the wives would not be happy if we came back empty handed. So I, I, that's, if you have the ability and you have a certain amount saved up, if you have that ability to quit, to jump straight in full time, I would highly recommend it. Uh, in my opinion, that's what I did. But if you don't have that ability and you want to delegate those 20 hours, I would really sit down with yourself to see what are your goals? Are your goals to acquire properties between 20 units and 100 units? If so, then we need, mm-hmm. you, you need to contact with brokers, build relationships with brokers and, and start building that report so you can start getting those type of deals. 
or your goals to partner with other co-sponsor or with other GP operators um, as a co-sponsor. If that's the case, build relationships with those those uh, those sponsors and those GP the GP teams, uh, so you can then grow your business. So there's multiple avenues that you can go down. It really comes down to what does it look like for you and what do you want. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. The only, yeah. I'll say what well, well I'll add to that one is is something that helped me, and this is this is part of the mindset conversation. Is I reminded myself every day why I was doing things. Okay, so it was about three years ago that I decided to do this. And it was all for family. It was for, you know, my, my oldest daughter, who we've talked about already, um, she turns 22 in about a week, two weeks. And I have missed, I think, 18 of her 22 birthdays because of my career, because of my job, you know, and it was it was missing another one of her birthdays that made me realize I can't keep doing what I'm doing. You know, I can't I can't keep missing these events. And I put a date on the calendar. October 31st, 2021. That's that's when the Marine Corps would let me retire. That was the first time, you know. So I put that date on the calendar and I burned the ships. Okay. I basically told myself, you know, similar to what Chris is saying, I told myself, there is no other option. I am not getting a job. Okay. I'm going to make this multifamily thing work. You know, so I essentially did what Chris said in a slightly different way. I put my back up against the wall and said, All right, you know, I'm I'm going. And I, I put in about 20 hours a week, quite quite frankly, you know, for, for the first year or so, it was 20 hours a week on nights and weekends. But I agree what wholeheartedly with what he said, you know, figure out what you need and, and what you want and focus on exactly that. Got it. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, just seeing how you want to. So but building relationships was kind of the, the cornerstone of that, right? Whether it's with brokers and whether it's with you know investors or other sponsors gps stuff like that relationships um, for everything yeah mm-hmm. absolutely um so that, i mean kind of goes perfectly into my next question which was you know when you're either starting out completely fresh or maybe you're in a different market where you don't really know any of the brokers you've never done deals there or never done deals at all um you know what do you do or how do you stay top of mind with those brokers you know what's your excuse for following up and, and being top of mind and keep hitting them um, and do you have a system like, do you, Hey, every month I have in my CRM, I call every broker I know, or, or, you know, what's the system for doing that? And, you know, what's your excuse for reaching out when you do reach out and just to continue to build that relationship. So what I do with the brokers here, the great thing is, is living in Charlotte's in the middle of the Carolinas in the middle of the East coast, but anything you're looking at in the Carolinas, mainly all the brokers live in Charlotte because they can commute everywhere to Charleston, Greenville, Raleigh, Wilmington, Myrtle Beach. It, it's, 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 it's in the middle. So what I've learned is, is because I used to be a broker, most brokers want to leave the brokerage industry at one point to be an operator. So we already have that bond. Um, but what, what I uh, just uh, treat them like a regular person, talk to them. Um, I mean, I ask them, Hey, you want to go grab drinks? You want to go hang out? You, you, Hey, there's something going on. You want to go grab lunch? And I build that personal report with them. And I, and I know them, like I know their daughters. I, uh, uh, I know their family, uh, their wives. How's your wife doing? So I build that personal report with them. So I stay top of mind. And then when the deal that they, the deal that they're pursuing comes, you know, they sign a listing agreement and uh, it meets our criteria. They reach out to us. We just, we got a deal uh, from a broker in, uh, in Greenville off market uh, two days ago. Um, and they sent it to us because we, we were just talking to just a normal conversation, not even talking real estate sometimes. 
Uh, and so I would say build that deep relationship with them. Get to know them personally, just like you would do to uh, your investors uh, or your partners. I like to get to know them personally, how they're doing. Um, one called me out of nowhere and I knew he had knee surgery. I said, how's your knees doing? Are you, are you running your marathon yet? Um, so it, it's building that personal report with them. So you stay top of mind uh, and that's how they're going to keep feeding you deals. This market right now is so hot though. Sellers don't want to sell off market. Uh, we're even doing preemptive offering and they're like, no, we're going to wait to, you know, the call mm -hmm. for offers because it's so hot. So, um, so building that relationship helps tremendously with the broker. So even when you're in the call for offers and you're in best and final, you can have a leg up. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll add one thing to that. Um, you know, and very dangerous saying this because I'm talking to former real estate agents, but I, I like to look at the single family example. You know, if you're a real estate agent and somebody calls you and says, I want to buy that house, you're going to vet them. You're going to ask them for a pre-qualification letter every single time because you want to make sure that they're going to be able to purchase a house, right? Yep. I mean, I'm assuming that's correct. That's what the, every agent I've ever purchased a house through is first asked for. But in the brokerage world, it's no different, all right? They're going to want to make sure that you're qualified to purchase a property before they're going to let you start fostering that relationship. So um, I, I think first first and foremost, you've got to be a viable buyer before they'll, they'll actually let you start building that relationship in a lot of cases. So if that means partnering, you know, partner, if that means, you know, learning more, you know, learn, learn what you need to do, but um, definitely learn what it needs definitely learn what it's going to take to close on a multifamily property and then get yourself there. And then when you make that call with the broker, it's going to be a much different conversation. 100%. Yeah. I really like that. That's, that's a great point. Um, great. So uh, yeah, I have, so just for my third question, um, sometimes like I'm always a big workhorse, right? And so when I was a single family, when I didn't have a deal or I didn't have things in the pipeline, I wasn't, you know, at listings or listing appointments. I always knew what I could do. It's like, I'll just cold call. <laughs> I'll just pick up the phone hammer and I'll get my mojo dialer and, and I'll go. Yep. Um, and so, but in this business, you know, is that still a route to extend, you know, sometimes I feel like I want to work on the business. Um, but I don't really know like what to do. Like I've, I've looked at all the opportunities already. I'm not getting a ton of opportunities. So it's not like I can, I can analyze deals for hours a day. Uh, you know, so what do you do or what can I do to kind of create more opportunities for myself when I do feel like I, I don't really have a to-do list or the things that are, I feel yeah. are priorities. I'm kind of out of those opportunities. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think it comes back to my, my first, uh, my, my first answer is, is that you got to know what you want. Uh, do you want to focus on 20 to hundred units? If so, you can cold call those owners because you're going to have a higher chance of actually getting direct with the owner because it's going to be a mom and pop that you can actually get a deal. Uh, if it's a hundred plus from my experience, it's going to be very difficult to, to talk to an owner. And if so, they, they may have processes, steps and things like that. Um, so it comes down to is what, what are you going to focus on for your, for your company? If you're going to focus on the smaller you can definitely cold call. I know people that cold call those those uh, those smaller type of units and they get deals. Um, if it's larger type of properties, it's, it's going back to building relationships, in my opinion, with the brokers from what I've seen all over the Carolinas and what I've experienced is that groups like ours, we're going to go to a broker to list it. Uh, we're rarely going to just sell it off market unless it's a buddy of mine who I know personally, like like Brian, and he's like, hey, I want to buy your Greenville deal. I say, this is what I need. And if it works out, boom. Uh, but more than likely, we're just going to take it to market with a broker. Um, and it's just building those relationships deeply with them. 
I, I will say that I cold called a lot of people getting started, you know, probably more than I needed to. But uh, like I said, I, I wish I would have followed the advice that I gave you is make yourself a viable investor. And that's going to save you time. But I, I was cold calling brokers. I mean, there, there was a point in time where I was getting like zero deal flow and I would be Googling, you know, multifamily brokers, Charlotte, multifamily brokers, Columbia, multifamily brokers, Raleigh. You know, and and try and and I would literally, I had a goal. You know, call five new brokers every week, and that, that was something that I did. It was, and they were all cold calls. Um, I would have gotten more traction had I worked on myself a little more first and made sure I was a viable buyer. But um, and then when I needed property managers, guess what I did? I googled property managers, or I would go to apartments.com, you know, pick up the phone, find something in the neighborhood, and say what property management company do you work for? You know, and, and stuff like that. I was, I was cold calling all over the place. Um, I, I will say, you know, it's probably one of the least effective ways. Um, if you can get referrals, that is, you know, a thousand times better than cold calls. But um, if, if you're starting from scratch, you know, cold calling is something a lot of people do. And um, we got our first property through cold calling actually. So um kind of a cold call and a referral. Quick, quick story. I cold called a broker, um, you know, her brokerage did more land and and um, other commercial real estate than multifamily. Um, they sold like one or two multifamily properties per year. Everything else was like land and industrial. And I was talking to her, building a relationship with her. And she finally said, you know what? I can't help you. I'm sorry, but my friend can. She works at this brokerage over here. Um, can I can I introduce you to her? And she set up a call, and that introduction call led to the first property we closed on. But you know, I, I would say if you can get a referral, go for the referral. Otherwise, cold calling might be it. Yeah, and I mean, kind of tying back to to my question before with like, hey, building that relationship and your excuse to reach out because I pretty much am in that cold state where like, hey, I, I've called brokers. I'm looking a lot in St. Louis, Kansas City. I'll just say, hey, you know, my Justin, I go into my little little pitch. Do you have anything I could look at? Um, and then, you know, however that conversation is, oh, not right now, you know, we'll keep you in mind, you know, what is the next call to them? You know, are you mm -hmm. saying the same thing or are you, you know, I've always paid bring value, but it's like, what value can I bring? You know, um, are you just really mm -hmm. calling again and saying, Hey, you know, we spoke maybe a month ago, uh, you had, you had mentioned you might have something coming up, you know, wanted to see if, if, if you had anything I could look at between this unit and this unit, you know, are you calling to continuously ask? Like, hey, do you have anything I could look at right now, or are you doing something else? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so, as, as a residential agent, um, one thing I found when I coached residential agents is that uh, you have to stay consistent and you have to follow up. Mm -hmm. If you want a buyer, if you want a listing, you have to stay consistent. You have to follow up. So, use that it, it, very similar to uh, following up with these brokers. Stay consistent. Uh, just like Brian said, he would contact five in certain markets every single, you know, every week or every two weeks, you know, and you have to stay consistent with that. What I found is that I build deep relationships with them on the first call. Um, so I let them know a little bit about me. I let them know a little bit about the company uh, when I first got started. But I also want to know about them personally. I want to know them it, what the what their goals are. Um, so it helps on the second call that I can say, oh, hey, how, how's your daughter doing or how's your family doing? 
you know, things like that. And I just wanted to follow up to uh, see if you have any deals coming in the pipeline, any uh, BPOs out there. Uh, what are you seeing in the market right now? Uh, and it's just a nice casual follow up, but you're also wrapping per a little bit about their personal uh, history that they told you into it, which I've I've learned that makes the call go a lot smoother and you can you connect uh, a lot deeper when you do that. Awesome. A couple of things that I did starting out, um, you know, it costs money, but I would send Starbucks gift cards, you know, and it almost always got a response. Okay. There, there was like, you know, out of, out of, you know, 50 or a hundred or so Starbucks gift cards I've sent, I, there was probably one person that didn't either text me, call me or email me back to say, thanks for the Starbucks gift card. You know, that, that's one thing that I did to, to help out. Um, and, and Chris also said something that's important is you, you've got to, um, you've got to get back to them. You've got to be responsive. So um, every, I mean, I would also look at LoopNet. I mean, a lot of people say LoopNet's where deals go to die. Okay, probably true. Um, but Crexy is also one of those, or a lot of brokerage web pages will have their listings on there. A lot of times it's downloadable too. So it's like, click here, you electronically sign their non-disclosure agreement or whatever, the confidentiality agreement, and you get the documents, you know? If you can get your hands on those, number one, it gets you practice underwriting, but then you can go back to the listing broker and just say, hey, I'm looking at X and Y property. Tell them what your underwriting comes out to and say, hey, look, I, I'm thinking that X, Y, and Z, and then maybe ask a couple of follow-on questions. And most of the time that shows that you're serious. And most of the time that's going to lead to you know, you know, at least a first call or a follow-up call or you know, start to build that relationship. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, that's super, super valuable. And just going to my last question here. Uh, so what is, um, you know, Chris, whether you call it a, a biggest mistake or someone that you wish you could do over um, in the, the multifamily business here that you could potentially help me or other people listening uh, avoid? Uh, yeah. So biggest mistake hmm, that uh, to help avoid in the multifamily. Body's asking you, not me. I know. <laughs> um, so I say it may not be a mistake, but it's um, it, it lessons learned is that uh, during when you when you first get into a deal, uh, you, you definitely want a great legal team uh, when it comes to negotiating your PSA to make sure you have everything in there uh, with uh, with the opposite party. Uh, and then when you go into your due diligence, get it done as soon as possible. Don't wait. Uh, when we go under contract, Within a week, we have our due diligence team out there walking all the units, um, and and we're getting all that information. We're getting all the lease audits, and we're analyzing that deeply. Uh, there's been sometimes that we may overlook a little bit, um, which uh, early on, uh, which uh, thankfully the pro those those assets are doing phenomenal, and we're happy. Uh, but I would say really go deep with the due diligence, the lease audits, because uh, I think that's extremely important. Um, when, when you're in that due diligence phase. And it's very difficult now because you're placing a lot of money hard. I mean, for example, anything above 100 units here in the Carolinas, we're putting anywhere from three to a million dollars hard day one. Um, so you have to make sure you do those due diligence prior. Um, but when you're in that due diligence, you really got to go extremely deep, uh, in, in my opinion, in all the financials, the lease audits, uh, when you're on site to make sure you're making a very sound decision. Um, and, and you don't, uh, you don't make a mistake, uh, you know, during that due diligence and it, and it bites you on the back end. Yeah. I, I will say, you know, what, what, one of the biggest mistakes I made, and this is on our first acquisition, um, be in a hurry to close. Okay. We, the, the seller on our first acquisition made the mistake, you know, he started the PSA 
and he measured the due diligence period. He measured everything in business days and not calendar days. And so we walked away with an obscenely long time to close. And every time we had a decision to make, we said, we got time. Let's take our time. And, and really, you know, I, I think you just need to have the, the, the mindset that you need to be in a hurry to close. Okay. You need to, you know, not, I'm not saying rush through things, you know, I'm not saying, you know, you, you do things, you know, in, in a shoddy manner to hurry up, but, you know, get the ball moving. Okay. Keep the ball moving and always be moving that ball forward and be in a hurry to close because things are going to come up. that are going to take time. And if you're wasting time, you're wasting a week making a decision on something trivial, you know, that, that's where your mentors come in. You know, that's, that's where you pick up the phone, you call a mentor and say, Hey, I've got X, what should I do? And rely on those mentors. But uh, anyway, that's, well that's my two cents on that one. So. Well said. Awesome. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks so much, guys. I mean, again, super, super valuable. I really appreciate both your time and both your input. Um, you know, like I said, mentorship comes in a lot of forms. And so for a lot of people, I know it's podcasts like these, uh, maybe they can't afford it. They don't really have a, somebody they want to pay, you know, like you said, pay to do. Um, so really thank you so much for, for both of you. This has been super, super valuable for me. And I know for a lot of listeners as well. Awesome. Well, yeah. that said, we're, we're, we're about out of time. So we're going to be closing up shop here. Um, one question to end for each of you, Chris, you go first. How can listeners learn more about you? Uh, if you go to directly to our website, qccapitalgroup.com and click on the invest tab, you'll be able to fill out your information uh, that will go to the team. And then we'll set up a 15 minute call to see if we're a good fit for a partnership on our next acquisition. So that's how uh, you can get a hold of us um, and get a hold of me personally. All right, Justin. Awesome. Yeah. For me, you know, I'm because of my broker background, getting some pretty good opportunities, uh, have some off market things we're looking at now. And of course, looking and looking for capital, of course, like always, if, if you are looking to uh, have strong capital connections, looking for some partners there. So you can always reach me. My email is justin at perpetualwealthcapital.com. You could go to the website to fill out the form, but email is probably going to be best. So we'd love to talk to you. If you have any capital connections, want to GP on some deals. All right. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much, guys. I appreciate your time on the show today. And thanks. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.